Have you ever wondered how to land your dream job? Did you ever apply somewhere, get rejected, and ask yourself, what's wrong with my resume? Actually, 95% of resumes never get read for reasons the writers are entirely unaware of. In this episode, we'll work to get you that dream job and give you the tools you need to navigate the hiring process. Later in this episode, we'll hear from Ben Woodward, Deputy Director of Career Programs at LI. My name is Tiffany Roberts from the Leadership Institute, and you're listening to the Lead Your Future podcast. Are you interested in running for office? Want to work on a campaign? At the Leadership Institute, it is our mission to increase the effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. We offer over 40 different trainings, including campaign management school, on-camera TV trainings, and writing workshops. If you want to make a difference in public policy, visit leadershipinstitute.org. That's leadershipinstitute.org. Hey guys, welcome to episode 10 of the Lead Your Future podcast. Today, we're going to start off with what's so important about a good resume. According to Public Relations Society of America, hiring managers only look at your resume for about five to seven seconds. Of the 200 resumes they look at on average for any given job, only four to six will get an interview and only one person will be hired. Different companies look for different things and you won't always fit the jobs you seek out. Computer algorithms eliminate over 75% of resumes based on qualifications. Writing a different resume for every job you apply for is a common best practice. Still, it's necessary to have a solid resume that you can use for LinkedIn and other job sites. You'll need the right information, a workable format, and make use of the best practices. So let's go through what goes in your resume. There are four primary sections, personal information, work experience, education, and skills. This can be a little bit debated. Some people think there should be an introduction. Later in this episode, we'll talk with Ben Woodward, and he'll tell us what he really thinks about putting an introduction into a resume. So your first section you should have is your name, of course, and try to make it nice and big so people can read it immediately. And right underneath, you should include contact information. Keep your email professional. 76% of resumes are discarded for an unprofessional email address. So keep that in mind before using noscopeharame96 at hotmail.com. Along with your email, you should include your phone number. And some people, they usually add their full address. I like to add just the location that I'm in. So if I'm in Washington, D.C., I'll just write out Washington, D.C. or Cleveland, Ohio. Try not to include your whole address. I just think that's unnecessary and more of a thing of a pass is something you had to do in past resumes. Lastly, for your contact information, I highly, highly recommend adding a social media such as LinkedIn. Maybe not Twitter or Facebook, your personal Facebook. Uh, We'll talk about that later, but definitely add your LinkedIn. There's a way you can make your LinkedIn uh, URLs get a little bit cleaner so there's not a bunch of numbers in it. It can just be your name. So I'd recommend doing that, but highly recommend adding your LinkedIn. Luckily, now you have the easy part of your resume done. Next, we have to move on to experience. If this is your very first job you're applying for and you don't have much work experience, I'd recommend adding your education to the top of your resume. That would be your college. Try not to include your high school um, at this point in your life. If you are graduated from college, it's not as relevant anymore. So put your college education at the top if you are new to the workforce and be sure to include your graduation year, your GPA if it's relevant, 
or if you have a GPA below 3.5, I'd recommend not adding your GPA. At the same time, it's up to your preference, but it's really not necessary for employers, especially a year or two after you're in the workforce. I barely anybody looks at your GPA anymore, which for some people may be a really, really good thing. Um, and also be sure to add extracurricular activities. If you ran an organization, if you are a president, a coordinator, if you ran for student government or anything similar to that, even we're on a sports team like rowing or boxing, definitely add that into your resume. Um, not only is, does that show that you have experience leading an organization or working with a team, it may also be helpful if you are interviewing with somebody and they were also on a rowing team in college. That's something they can talk to you about, and it's a really great way to get a little bit more of a personal relationship with the person you are interviewing with. Next for your resume is work experience. First off, make sure you add your work experience from most recent job to least recent job and keep it in order. If you have it out of order, it can get very confusing for the job hiring manager. Um, they might be kind of unsure about your timeline and where you worked and when. They might be confused if you went from in an internship to McDonald's, back to another internship and a full-time job. Just try to keep that in order. Also with that, when you are listing each job experience, put the company first next to the um, position you held. The company is more often more important than the position you held and you would want your company bold and your um, position either not bold or italicized because um, that's usually more important to hiring managers than, than the position because everybody really calls certain positions different than everybody else. So the company is definitely more important there and then either next to or underneath add the time period in which you worked there. One thing to be mindful of is just make sure these are very accurate or at least as close to accurate as possible. Sometimes job hiring managers, if they see a little bit of a discrepancy about your work experience in the times, they might see that as a red flag and be curious why those times are kind of different or not similar. After you completed that, now comes the little bit more stressful part adding your descriptions. Just try to be careful here. Try not to use first person. So don't say, I did this, I did that. Try to use it in either present or past tense. So if you previously worked at this job, you will want to say coordinate it with try to keep it in past tense. But if you are presently working there, you can use the present tense. Um, normally on my resume, I usually just always use past tense. That way it all is very similar. Um, but really that's up to your preference or you know, Ben Woodward might say something different. Um, everybody's a little bit different on that. But try to use action verbs and numbers as much as possible. So instead of saying you were responsible for sending out emails, say something like emailed a list of 15,000 people and um, received a response rate of 53% or a click rate of uh, 23%, something like that. Something with numbers to so show something tangible and some type of accomplishment you've had in that role as well as in the tasks that you've completed. After you've organized all of your work experiences, included the jobs, job titles, um, amount of time you've worked there, and the responsibilities you've had in that role, after you listed all of those in order, next up is going to be your skills section. Your skills section is very important. This is where hiring managers will see the type of skills you have from all of the roles and even your experiences in college that you have. 
But something to watch out for when you are filling up the skills section is avoid any soft skills. So don't say uh, leadership or group communication. Those things are the type of things they should see in your resume. You shouldn't have to put it in your skills section. The skills section is left for um, languages you know and your fluency in them or softwares you know. So maybe Adobe programs, Adobe Creative Suite. So you'll say Adobe Audition, uh, Premiere, things like that. Um, if you know how to build websites, you'll include WordPress, Squarespace, maybe if you know some coding, HTML, CSS, things like that. Those are the things employers want to see in the skills section. See the things you're experienced in. Uh, you can also add things like MailChimp, uh, Constant Contact. There's so many things you can include um, depending on the role that you're applying for. And this is a great way to include the things that are on the job description that you see. Include those things that you are experiencing on your resume. Don't forget to include those. Those are the things your employers are looking for. Now, lastly, let's talk about the format. The appearance of your resume is incredibly important. Make sure to use a professional font like Times New Roman or Helvetica and keep the size no smaller than 12 point. If you are really trying to cram things in and you use a font size of 10 point, that might not be a good idea. Um, they may not actually really be able to read your resume. So that might be a why, reason why you wouldn't get hired. So try to keep it around 12 point um, and just also, keep enough white space so each item is separate and easy to identify. What I hate is when I see resumes and they are full of information, which is great, but at the same time, it's so hard to read and I really don't know where to start. I really don't know what to look at. Um, so try to keep as much white space as possible as well as keeping that information uh, relevant on your resume. When you are filling out descriptions in your experiences or your education, Keep the sentences as short and focused as possible. Some rule of thumb that I stick to sometimes is keep um, as many as only 10 words per uh, bullet point. This will really help you and challenge you on keeping uh, your information on each description very relevant. If you go over 10 words, it's fine. Uh, just try to stay around that um, word count. That way you're not really cluttering too much in there. So now you know how to write an effective resume, but remember... This is never a replacement for other vital elements of job searching. After all, more than 60% of jobs are found through networking according to balance. Keep in mind as well, your social media profile may as well be a resume of its own. So check out your Twitter, see some of those older posts you have, and you might want to go through and delete a lot of those. 54% of employers actually reject candidates based on their social media profiles, so keep it spiffy. And if you apply these techniques we've covered today, your resume will be one of the few to survive the fierce process of elimination, and you might just be the one to get the job. Now stay tuned. In less than one minute, I'm going to sit down with Ben Woodward and talk about his best techniques for uh, resumes, and he'll also let you know how you can find a more professional person to look at your resume than just your mom, dad, brother, sister, or maybe even your dog. My name is Tiffany Roberts from the Leadership Institute, and you're listening to the Lead Your Future podcast. Are you looking to launch your career? Do you want to gain real, professional experience while sharpening your media skills? Then apply today to be a studio's intern here at the Leadership Institute. As a studio's intern, you'll master Adobe programs and get behind-the-scenes access to media professions across the board. Just go to leadershipinstitute.org and click on the Career tab to learn more. 
That's leadershipinstitute.org and click on the career tab to learn more. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I'm now here with Ben Woodward, the Deputy Director of Career Programs at the Leadership Institute. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me, Tiffany. So can you give us a quick breakdown of what you do here at the Leadership Institute? Sure, so my uh, role at LI, I'm the Deputy Director of Career Programs. Um, My role is kind of split in two, if you like. Uh, First and foremost is running career training. So we do trainings on a, a variety of different skills that help people be successful in their careers, from writing skills, management skills, uh, how to prepare resumes, cover letters, that sort of thing. And then on the other hand, we do trainings on uh, specific career paths, foreign service, Capitol Hill, think tanks, uh, civil service, you name it. The other half of my job is to run conservativejobs.com uh, in conjunction with my boss, Paddy, who's our director. And conservativejobs.com is the Leadership Institute's free employment placement service, free for uh, job seekers, free for recruiters, free for everyone, and uh, connects job seekers with recruiters and great opportunities. So I, uh, that's the kind of two halves of my job. Awesome. Well, you're definitely the best person to talk to about resumes for sure. So I guess one of the first questions I want to ask, going through kind of the resume format, what is your kind of opinion on adding an intro to the top of a resume? I'm against it, personally. Um, if you think about the intro to a resume, I mean, what does it cover? It covers you know, w- what, you've, what you've done, maybe, or who you are. And it also covers kind of maybe what you're looking to do well, uh, what you are doing. I mean, I can garner that from one's experience anyway. So that ultimately is what I'm going to be focusing on as the recruiter is what your experience is. So I don't need that in a paragraph at the top. The other thing that I would look at is then who you are. Well, that's what your cover letter's for. I mean, I know why you're applying to this job, what your motivations are based on either your cover letter, the interview. So for me, having a large paragraph at the top of your resume that summarizes is just unnecessary and just kind of repeats what I already garner from the rest of your resume and application anyway. Exactly. I'm so glad you said that because I have so many people who show me the resume sometimes and they have an intersection. I'm like, you really don't need that intersection. Definitely not. And most recruiters will spend 10, 15 seconds looking at your resume. If you're lucky, large chunks of text will not be read. Exactly. Exactly. And also, if you need to have an intro section, then obviously you're not doing a good job in the rest of your resume because that information is supposed to be in your resume or cover letter in the first place as well. Yes, that's correct. Um, So I guess another thing is I think this is one of the biggest debates among resumes is should you have one page or two pages? Very good question. Uh, one page. The only exception to that, so there's a couple of exceptions I, I would allow. Firstly, uh, federal resumes are a very different kettle of fish. So if you're applying through usajobs.com, uh, sorry, usajobs.gov, uh, then that's a very different style of resume format. And I would recommend using the online resources for that. Uh, if you have more than 10 years of full-time paid experience, you might be able to get away with the two pages. Even then, it's it's still preferable to keep to one. The way that you do that, though, uh, because I know it's very difficult to fit a lot of experience onto one page, is that you have a ever-changing resume. So depending upon the position for which you're applying, you should separate what's relevant and what's not. And then the experience that you have that's relevant to the position for which you're applying, that will go at the top of the resume. That's where you'll go into the most detail. And then uh, the rest of the your experience, you'll put in an other experience section 
And, uh, you know, you may have one bullet point or maybe even no bullet points, depending on how much space is left. But the focus needs to be on the experience that is relevant that the recruiter needs to know about. Yeah, you actually mentioned something I think very important there is tailoring your resume to the job you're applying for. Um, I, I know when I started out, I had definitely I had about two or three resumes just because I one if I really want to get a part time job during college or during internship somewhere, I had to have my Cracker Barrel job on there. But if I'm working at somewhere professional full time, I probably don't want to have Cracker Barrel on my resume. So that's definitely really important. It is. And it depends where you're at in your career. I mean, when you're early in your career, you may find that retail jobs that you've had, I worked at a cinema, uh, you may find that those are still relevant, uh, you know, customer service experience, juggling that with with school, it just says a lot about you. So it's still worth kind of including. But if you find that if you've done a bunch of internships, or you've got a few relevant political jobs now under your belt, then that belongs in the other experience. And I say put it in other still, because you want firstly you want the credit for having done it i mean you put all the work in you should still get the credit number two it it fills in the gaps so if you just have relevant experience then um it's going to look like there's gaps in your resume so it's worth having there but as you say once you've got a few jobs under your belt then you're probably likely to put it in the other experience section so what kind of advice do you have for a young person that might have little to maybe even no experience? And how would they best fill the resume out for their first few jobs? Sure. So it's a good question. I, I would say, firstly, if, if you're struggling to fill your resume, then maybe that's a sign that you need to be uh, doing a little more. Um, you know, the resume ultimately is a reflection of what you've been doing. If you're struggling to fill a resume, then you may want to start identifying some volunteer opportunities or more internship opportunities to help pad out your resume. And the great thing about politics is those are in abundance. We're coming up to the election. There's lots of candidates who need help. And so fill out your resume. Um, and then the reason that we call it experience, so relevant experience, other experience, is because that doesn't exclude volunteer work or even school work that you've done. So if you founded campus groups, if you've been on student government, if you've um, you know done particular work projects through school that are relevant, that's why we call it relevant experience, because it's encompassing of all of your experience and not just professional and paid experience. Now, you mentioned the political world. Um, I think this is something a lot of young people are dealing with uh, coming into the workforce and um, getting more experience is that they may have worked with a political organization in the past. Um, let's say it's a conservative uh, organization and they want to work somewhere else that is not political at all or they know are on the total opposite end of the spectrum. Or even they work somewhere and something happened with their org and has a bad, it's a very, very bad influence and they don't want that on their resume, the name of the organization, but they have a lot of experience with that organization, what should they do about that? It's a very, very tough situation to be in. Uh, obviously, you know, we're in D.C. Uh, most people here are liberal. Um, and you are probably going to encounter some um, probably prejudice among recruiters about hiring conservatives. There's a few things I would say, firstly, on that. I mean, if you worked for if you worked for a particular political party or candidate, you don't have to name uh, the party or the candidate. And I think I'm right in saying that legally they cannot ask you about political affiliation during the interview process. Um, but for some, it may be common sense. Let's say you've worked in the Trump White House. I mean, but just by the dates alone, that's going to be obvious. Now, other things you can't avoid. Let's say you've worked for 
uh, a prominent conservative nonprofit. All that all one has to do is go on Google. A couple of things on that. I mean, number one, um, if an organization is going to not hire you on the basis of uh, you having worked at a particular organization, you may want to consider working somewhere else anyway, Just which I know is a shame uh, and hard when you're going through the job hunting process, but you don't want to work somewhere where your values are just fundamentally in conflict with your employer's values because that's just going to make it really difficult for you. Um, if your organization comes into disrepute or something happens, let's say you're working for a candidate or you're working for a politician who gets embroiled in some sort of terrible scandal, uh, just be ready with your story, right? And I say the same thing to people who drop out of college and they ask me, you know, how do I explain this? Or people who get laid off and they, and they, and or fired and they ask me, how do I explain this? You just need to have your story straight, you know? So why did you go to work for that organization? What did you accomplish with them? Uh, do you disagree with some of the things that they did, which is why you left? Or, or that, you know, do you regret what happened that has brought this organization into disrepute? Um, you know, and just be ready with your story. Um, but I reiterate, if an organization is not going to hire you because you worked for a particular organizational candidate, you you may need to, to consider working elsewhere, which is I know is easier said than done. But in the long run, you'll be glad of it. Now, uh, what do what in your opinion, because you've I'm sure you've seen so many resumes. What are some things that you've seen? Some, maybe some of the worst things you've seen or some of the things that you've seen that people do and they really should not do. And you immediately tell them to take off. Oh, yes. Uh, a, a few. I mean, uh, to sound obvious from the start, but it is important spelling and grammar. I mean, that's just a fast track to the trash can if you have uh, detail oriented <laughs> on your <laughs> resume spelled EI. Um, you know, so grammar, spelling and, and get a friend, get me to, to read over it and, 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 and somebody you trust who can give you honest and frank feedback. A few other things consistency is critical so in terms of your font in terms of the 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 size of the font um in terms of where just things line up on the page if you've bolded certain titles of sections and bold the the titles of the other sections make sure the dates line up on the right hand side if you use periods at the end of some bullet points you need to use periods at the end of every bullet point uh tenses the number of times that people talk about jobs that it indicates that they've completed in the present tense is very common because what happens is people edit their most recent stuff and add to it without thinking about going through the rest of their resume so be consistent attention to detail is is all really really important yeah i think that's one of the most tedious things about a resume and i think starting out um, really scared me when I did have to create my very first resume. I'm like, this is actually a lot of work and I didn't realize it. But if you do put the time in and you remember to put those periods at the end of every single sentence, that can make the difference between not getting a job and actually getting it in the first place. Definitely. I would so much rather somebody was spending several hours preparing one application because they're going through their resume, tailoring it to the job writing their cover letter from a blank piece of paper every single time. I would much rather they were doing those things and applying for maybe one job every couple of days than applying for 50 jobs a day where they're literally just hitting send on the same resume and cover letter to every single job. Yeah, so what would you say, what about the skills section? I think this is something that 
I probably learned the hard way in the beginning and a lot of people do as well is they put a lot of soft skills in their resume. Um, our listeners might not know what that is. You might have to explain that, but there's a difference between soft skills and hard skills. So what is your opinion on putting those in and um, how they should do that? That's a really good question. So I, I would say to define the difference between a hard skill and a soft skill, a hard skill would be fluency in another language, proficiency in relevant softwares, um, maybe even things like you know, photography. It's quantifiable skills, skills that you have that you bring to the table that not everybody else will and that you can specifically quantify. Soft skills would be things like being a nice person, being a good team leader, being a good public speaker. If those things are evident about you, then they will be evident in your experience and your accomplishments already. Um, and so keep to those hard skills. And then when it comes to the hard skills, be clear about them. So if, if you uh, know another language, you need to outline your proficiency. If you, uh, if you know Adobe or Python or if you can use Google Analytics, you need to be able to talk about your proficiency in that. Yeah. Another thing I think uh, people should add is in their um, education. If you do extracurricular activities, that's something that can actually shine through. And even in my experience with uh, getting hired here at LI, I had I think I had boxing on my resume and my hiring manager was like, oh, wow, you do boxing and was actually really interested in that because he had some personal experience in it as well. So those are things that you never know. They seem silly, but adding extracurricular activities can be really important as well. It is. It, it's interesting, especially if you've held a position. So, for example, if you were captain of your boxing team or your swimming team or your rowing team, whatever it is, uh, then that is a responsibility that you've had that you can express. Um, if uh, if it's not relevant, you've obviously got your other experience section or you can put it in uh, in your education, potentially, if it's something you did in school. However, um, yeah, I think it, it shows that, that you're interesting. We've all met Right. Well, you know, we both work in the nonprofit world, obsessive politicos who don't really have anything to talk about except politics. All their hobbies have been politics. That can be a bit of a, a turn off, too, because you want people who have other things to talk about, who are interested in things outside of politics, who have a life. And so doing something like boxing is, is, is just interesting. It's just something different to talk about. What are your thoughts on adding social media to a resume, um, specifically maybe uh, LinkedIn or Twitter? I know I have my LinkedIn on my resume, um, and there's a certain way you can do it to make it look cleaner as well. But uh, what's your advice on that? It's a, a really good question. I would say on the on the LinkedIn front, um, I would say you can have the URL at the top of your resume, probably put it under your contact details. Um it's not essential. If you do put your LinkedIn on there, however, just make sure your LinkedIn looks amazing. Um, really, really important. So there can't be any differences between your LinkedIn and your resume in terms of the dates, in terms of like anything. But, you know, and you've got the content of your resume to help inform your LinkedIn. So make sure you've outlined every job. Make sure you've got those bullet points. Make sure your headshot is professional looking and, and looks really good. Um yeah, just, just make sure that your LinkedIn is professional and completely filled out uh, if you have it in there. With regards to Twitter, Facebook, anything like that, I personally would not put it in there, but I don't think it's a deal breaker. I would say on Facebook, for me, that is just more of a personal channel, so I would leave that out. On Twitter, I would say if you're going into a comms role or a so specific social media role, that may be of interest to the recruiter. Critically, though, what is the recruiter going to see? 
when they click on that link? Are they going to see you uh, abusing and trolling people? Are they going to see you uh, spouting off incorrect or fake news? Or are they going to see informed opinion? Are they going to see political opinion that is consistent with their own? Uh, so just be careful about, if you are sharing your Twitter, what the recruiter is going to see. That applies whether or not it's on your resume. For me, I think it's it's LinkedIn uh, and the rest are, are fairly unnecessary. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of making your LinkedIn look nice because I think there's a lot of things that people don't take advantage of, like adding a cover uh, a cover photo that behind your um, behind your profile photo. You can also make your LinkedIn link cleaner and just make it your name. Um, there's a way to do that only on the web version, not on your iPhone. Um, so it's kind of a secret way to do that. Um, but yeah, also adding as much information as possible. Like if you attended the Leadership Institute Youth Leadership School, add that as a certification on your LinkedIn. That's something else you can add um, just for people to see. And maybe they'll even ask you about it later on. Um, I know when I got hired here at LI, um, I sent out the email with my resume and cover letter. And about 10 minutes later, because I have LinkedIn Premium, 10 minutes later, I saw that the hiring manager looked at my LinkedIn account. So that was basically his first impression of me as a candidate um, based off of how clean my resume was and how organized I was and how professional I was on my social media as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good, good point. And the advantage of the LinkedIn is you're not constrained like you are on your resume in terms of the content and the amount of information on there. Um, I would encourage anybody to any hiring manager listening uh, to look at people's LinkedIn. In addition to that, I would say that with uh, LinkedIn, um, you have a few advantages. You can, uh, you know, look up your recruiter. You can look up their background, their history. And a lot of people say to me, oh, but, but what if they see that I've looked at their LinkedIn? <laughs> well, it's like if they don't want people looking at their LinkedIn, why, they, <laughs> why do they have it? You know, so I wouldn't concern oneself too much with people noticing that you've been checking their LinkedIn. For me, it shows preparedness. Exactly. You're just going the extra mile. Um, so lastly, last question, what advice do you have for someone if they want to get a more professional person to look at their resume other than maybe their mom, dad, or sister, or brother? Um, if they can want somebody to look at their resume, give them advice, where can they go? What resources are out there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, they can email it to, to Leadership Institute. Um, if uh, you go on conservativejobs.com and the, the resources section on there, uh, you can request a career consultation, which is totally free. Um, you can find my email and my contact details on the Leadership Institute website, email your resume to me, um, get in touch with us. I'm happy to read over anyone's resumes, cover letters. Uh, it's totally free of charge. You know, we just do it to be helpful. So uh, have me look at it and I'm happy to offer some honest and uh, frank advice on ma making it look uh, as professional as possible. Awesome. Thank you, Ben, so much for joining me. I know we're both very passionate about resumes, so you're definitely the best person to give advice on it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Tiffany. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Lead Your Future podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating or subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Leadership Institute's mission to increase the number and effectiveness of conservative activists and leaders in the public policy process. If you're interested in taking a Leadership Institute training, be sure to check out our website at leadershipinstitute.org forward slash training. The Lead Your Future podcast is produced and edited by Tiffany Roberts with support from Jared Cummings. Advertisements by Alexander Chang and Christopher Olson. Executive produced by David Fetter and Morton Blackwell. 
If you want to learn more about the Leadership Institute and see behind-the-scenes photos, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to Leadership Institute on YouTube.